0: Welcome to Punk Frockers, a community sewing podcast brought to you by Jenny Hassler and Beverly Baptiste.
1: Well, Beverly, it's amazing to see you today. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. How are you doing, Jenny?
1: I am super. I'm so sleep deprived at this point that I'm like on the other side of it where suddenly you have energy. It's very weird. Are you about to get punchy? Um. Oh, that's a possibility. <laughs> I, here's the scary part. Would people know, would the average listener be like, oh yeah, Jenny's definitely loopier today. Or would it be like, yep, that sounds right. So <laughs> I, I guess know. we'll find out.
0: Guess <laughs> out. Okay. Well, what are you <laughs> sewing right now? Oh my goodness. So
1: I have been sewing nothing but Chris Wood sews parasol dresses, which thankfully has finally been released. And so all of them are now going up on my Instagram. So far, seven have been posted. Um, It includes the junkiest taffeta I've ever sewn with. I swear you look at it and it starts unraveling um in fluffy cotton uh, fluffy polyester pieces of terribleness that stick to everything everywhere forever i'm still finding it and it's Isn't been a that neat. pretty pink one that it's the pretty pink one yeah it's, it's so the worst oh my gosh <laughs> it was the worst fabric i've ever sewn with um and i made a beautiful sort of cotton rayon um sunflower dress which i love i have a couple of walls that i did from um art gallery fabrics, a beautiful silk taffeta, which did not unravel in any terrible way and is instead perfect in almost every way. And a double gauze that I got at Joann's on sale that's uh, black with rainbow stripes on it. And then finally, a mid-weight shirting that I picked up at Fine Fabrics in Norcross, Georgia. Um, it's, uh, it's white with very narrow black stripes on it. Uh-huh. And weirdly, you know me, I would not intentionally match those stripes because that's a lot of effort, but accidentally I matched the stripes on the front (laughs) and on the back, they're just a little bit off. They're off the amount that makes it look like I tried and failed, which is a little frustrating, but (laughs) because I didn't try at all, I'd (laughs) I'd rather it just looks like she didn't care. Uh Um, As it is, I think it looks like I cared and I wasn't very good at it. So So I may end up fixing that by taking like a piece of black, black uh, go grain or something and running it down the seam because it's Mm. such a minor off that if I did that, you, you would think they were matching underneath it unless you thought it through and were like, well, the only reason she'd put that there would be if they weren't (laughs) matching. So, so that's kind of my plan on that. That's been my big sewing project. Just real quick, describe what the Chris Woods parasol is. Oh, hell yeah. So I forget that this is an audio medium. And of course, I will monologue the whole time if Beverly doesn't interrupt me. I'm very bad at that. So the Chris Woods sews dress is a dress that has a deep V front and back with a um with grown on sleeves and a tie that goes from about the center of your shoulder from back to side to side on the back and you can tie that as loose or tight as you would prefer to kind of control the neck but i will say on my body with my shoulder and my boobs it doesn't matter how i tie it it's it's just going to hang out on my shoulders anyway which means i can now use that tie as an accent piece if i want by tying it closer to the ends of the ties and having it droop down into the V on the back. For example, having it mirror the V on the back. I gather from Chris's posts about this, that on some frames, how much you tie it impacts how it hangs on your body.
0: Yeah. So I've made the same dress. I've made one. Um, (laughs) And um, on me, um, how I tie it, definitely it affects if, if I don't, if I have it loose, then it's too low cut in the front. And if I have it real, real tight, it pulls at the neck. And so I found a spot in there where it sits nicely. The V is right where I want it to be and um, not too low in the back. Like it, it it does do exactly that for me. So for me, I, I end up, so
1: I can go too tight. I'll admit that if it's, if I don't leave the width of my neck, basically, then it feels bindy on my neck. But if I leave it entirely untied, it is not a significant amount of V difference. So I don't have, it doesn't feel noticeable. Mm-hmm. Some of that may be the effect of my bra. I did discover early on that I have bras that are more protruding and bras that are less so. And so I have some of them where I put it on and it elevates the seam line, which in the front is intended to run not, not even at an empire waist exactly. It kind of is supposed to cross your bust. Um, in the images I've seen, I tend to make mine a little longer than that because I prefer more of an empire waist look. Though I've made both varieties, and to some extent, it depends on how well I remember one of the key measurements. Because, because <laughs> I mostly cut them from memory, even though I have the numbers written down, <laughs> I'm mostly sitting there. And if I tear the wrong length, because I tear, I don't cut. Um, well, then that's the length it is for the the bodice. I mean, I just kind of go with whatever happens there by accident. Um, and the skirt is a gathered skirt. It's intended to be, I believe, at about knee length or a little bit below, but I have done mine um as long as just above my ankles. Um, and my shortest is a good bit below my knee. Um, I tend to use the width of, so it's being, the so the fabric is being used um, based on your own measurements and you are, you are probably laying out at my body size, you're laying out your skirt pieces along the selvage for the width because there's very few fabrics that would come as wide as I would need to cut them otherwise going from selvage to selvage. So I'm going from cut end to a new cut end along the selvage, the selvage will be the waistline. And because many of the fabrics I buy have a decorative edge on one of the selvage sides, and I'm very lazy, I tend to make the skirt as long as it needs to be in order to use that selvage edge as my hem. So (laughs) on my shirting, it has like little tufts of black at the end where the stripes are just little fuzzy tufts. And I left that as my hem. Oh, um, and I did that with several of the others where it had something that was sort of a feature that I left at the hem um, rather than turning the hem up at all. So my length is dependent on the width of my fabric.
0: That's a that's a really interesting thing. I should think about that. I did mine the other direction because it would fit the other direction. Um, but I that would be a I mean, obviously, I can do it either way and it would just be longer longer. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. it's it's an it's
1: an opportunity to use that feature, which I think is neat, especially since some fabrics just really come with neat selvages.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, they tend to be sort of the the patterned wovens, um, textured wovens, things like that. But but there are definitely others that also have that feature. So so it's a it's a beautiful dress. I've really, really enjoyed it. And next on my cutting table right now are versions of that for my daughter and my granddaughter as well. So we'll see how good the 11-year-old version comes out.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, I I think the greatest thing about it is it's just using your measurements. So this is my first time ever doing a zero-waste pattern. And um, it was very interesting because um, garment construction is very different in a zero-waste pattern. So when you're cutting things, I'm like, okay, this is the bodice. I don't know how this is going to go together. And then she's telling me to put the ties in the middle of what would be the shoulders. And like um, you're used to a way that something goes together. And for example, in this, the shoulder is from a folded piece. It's not, you don't, you're not sewing the shoulders together front and back. The front and back are one piece you're, you're sewing together right and left. I found it really interesting and kept my interest because I, it was a new way of making a dress. The the pattern is based on your measurements, but the directions say to sew up three inches on the side. And so if you happen to be a kind of busty person, you may end up with more space under your arms than you're looking for. So you just have to keep that in mind and maybe sew it up a little higher. And it's something to consider because it's a little bit trickier to sew it up after you've done all the finishing that she suggests. Mm -hmm. I love the finishing details that she gives. I love that. And I used a double gauze, so it was very easy to press it. And it was it's the uh, Katie Cortman double gauze, so it's very easy to press. <laughs> so I have to ask, because,
1: because I haven't read the thorough instructions since I was testing this one. So you're supposed to press something? <laughs> Because, of course,
0: here I am just folding and finger pressing. There's no. I mean, you you can do I- that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it would be difficult for me to make things precise enough. Yeah, I pressed it. Yeah, I pressed it. And then, you know, I pressed it over and got. The- oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, none of that happened here. But um,
1: <laughs> but it's very neat. And I think the same uh, I had the same concern in the back where you're joining the left and the right half. Um, The amount that she has you sew there isn't adequate to cover the um, monumentally wide band that I have for my bra strap, so I have to add extra inches there. And I learned that after the first dress, so it was easy to do for all the rest. My first dress, I can go back and fix it, but because of the way it's finished, it would be kind of a a visible mending fix. Like I I could put the pieces together and zigzag or do something else to to make them stay together. But so far what I've opted for instead is pretty bras or cardigans. Uh, So um, both of which solve the problem.
0: I have done it with sort of ladder stitching, you know, that kind of mattress stitch stuff. I have been doing that on mine because I didn't know about it before that I would need it. So uh, another uh, fun detail in the instructions on this that Chris gives is that she has a slightly different method for gathering. Now, it's really the same gathering you've always heard of with two lines of gathering stitches, but she says, put your tension on your sewing machine to the highest it'll go. And then the the loosest, the longest stitch, it gathers up Why you yep. do it. It was almost totally gathered when I did it. And, I, and it was so easy to move them because uh-huh. the stitches aren't the way they're supposed to be. And it was so easy to pull them out afterwards. I was thrilled. I was like, huh. So I'm going to try. So I
1: totally skipped pulling them out afterwards. Didn't even think about it. Um, but I used that method as well. <laughs> and I was disappointed in myself because I was no longer using mint dental floss. But, mm-hmm. um, in fact, I had posted Uh, no, sent pictures to Chris when I was testing and said, so, so I'm, I'm done with the last of the mint demo floss for this dress. And she's like, oh no, no, no do this. And I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a shot. And I love it. And it works for me on this with my body size. It is almost an exact match for what I need. So I almost don't have to shift any stitches at all. Just barely anything. It just comes out absolutely perfectly. So I, I love it for this.
0: So the one thing that um, on mine that I found difficult, so did you do two lines of stitching or one? Oh, one. I should have just done one because what happened then when I tried to do two, like then it straightened out the one and then, yeah. yeah, So I should, next time I'll just do one.
1: Yeah. I just did one. um, And it, it worked out beautifully. I, I found it really easy to work with. It was a little bit less difficult for me to make sure when I did the final stitching to the bodice that my zigzag stitch on my dental floss, that for me, it's a little bit trickier for me to make sure it's, it's not visible. And this was really easy to make not visible. So, and I could do it closer to the edge and I, everything about it just really worked out well. I loved it. So it's a neat dress. I'm, I'm still quite happy with it. I'm likely to continue making them. Um, even though I was trying not to binge (laughs) a lot during May, I did end up. Binging quite a lot, um, but but you know it happens.
0: So, what else have you been sewing? So,
1: my other really big amazing success story was my PF Glam prom dress, <laughs> which if you if you check my Instagram feed or if you've watched our video, you've heard at least a little bit about. Now, this was a um, fiber nope mood society. Uh, Ainsley dress. It's one of those dresses you usually tape together, but I ordered it. Um, I created uh, AO sized from my eight and a half by eleven sheets and it measured out perfectly when I printed them on eight and a half by eleven just to test and make sure they the right were the right size. They were indeed the right size. However, when I went to sew it together, the first thing that was most noticeable is that on the corset waist of it, I actually had to omit the entire center back in order for it to fit me at my measurements, which is confusing and makes me wonder if somehow I misinterpreted how some of the side pieces were supposed to be used (laughs) because the instructions were relatively basic. It was a video, not a video, a photo guide on the website And there were a few steps where I thought, I feel like this could use six more photos. Oh, I'm not (laughs) sure what you've done here, but I'm confused. So there was that. But once I removed the back piece, this is the crazy part. The skirt fit perfectly. So there's clearly something that went wrong somewhere there for me. Um, But I I got that. I got the circle skirt stitched on. I got the giant extra panel that's supposed to be pulled into this beautiful bow-looking floppy thing put in. Um, And then I I got the cups on, which look kind of like giant seashells cradling your bosom. And and the real problem came that they're giant cloth seashells (laughs) attached along the bottom seam only, cradling your bosom in the sense that if you pin them to yourself, which I don't necessarily recommend, they may stay up. But as soon as you release the pin, you will also release the bosom. They are going <laughs> to flop right out. So I included some photos on my Instagram where I'm wearing a very serviceable bra, um, and I have it clipped using those little fabric clips to the bra in order that, in order that my majesty may stay contained. Because otherwise, as a short video, very short two seconds will show you if you release the clips, there's just nothing it's just a bra now there's no there's no hidden hidden uh subtext there at all um, It is probably one of the worst outcomes I've had from a dress but but it's fairly humorous, and um I put on makeup and everything for that photo shoot in order that it be the most elegant failure I could possibly have had. I think I was successful. <laughs>
0: Well, my PF prom dress um, had one similarity to you. Uh, It did. It was successful. No, wait. um, That's not it. (laughs) It was the exact same fabric. That's so funny. I bought, I was going to buy taffeta and it was like in my mind, oh, this will be great. This is just the kind that Ginny will want. But I didn't know that it was going to be the same as yours until one day we were recording and you were describing your fabric. And I thought, oh my God, it's the same. <laughs> but I didn't tell you until the prom itself. And I just made the by hand London Anna dress again, my third version of it. But this time I made it floor length and um, it it came out really nice. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with it now. It's just that cheap taffeta. I, it's like so five cheap, Five dollars. Yep and uh, uh yeah anyways maybe maybe some kid will want to wear it to their prom it it was it wasn't great taffeta either i mean that's the other thing with it is it was a little
1: ravelly. it was a little lightweight and a little bit too artificial and it, it just had a lot paper. of things yeah it well, wasn't great yeah it, 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 it wasn't great but it wasn't you know, it
0: was gonna melt when i ironed it and you know it was yeah
1: again with the ironing um <laughs>
0: So I did skip the ironing
1: and the, um, the what are those things called? in Corsets that poke you when they escape? The boning? Yeah, the boning. I skipped the boning because it was optional, but the boning wouldn't have gone up into the cups. There was nothing it was going to do to help there. The cups really did rely on staple gun or some other kind of magic to keep them on you. I suppose probably double-sided bust tape or something, but... Um, but yeah, that yeah boy, quite a dress, very proud. Um, it's already gone, uh, gone into the, um, great year after. So, uh, that, that won't be another thing for me. And that's, that's really it. That's about
0: all I've made since we last spoke. I also finished a, a fiber mood, Roseanne or rosin. <laughs> um, and depending on who you're talking to another one, the blue linen, uh, blue linen one, you know, this one I got, um, it was another really inexpensive linen and rayon. It's like the, it's just like the Brussels only it's, um, on off brand and it's, it's not very good quality. Um, okay. there's a lot of flaws in it. And when I mean flaws, I don't just mean those little nubs that linen gets. I don't mind those at all. Um, this is like, um, little holes and I couldn't pattern oh. around it. So eventually I will be doing some kind of mending on it. But um, for right now, it's it's not that noticeable, mm-hmm. but but there are some little holes in it. So, you know, I, I'll link the fabric in the show notes, but it's probably better for a towel or something. Yeah. It's yeah, that cool. doesn't sound very good. And you did some sewing for um, your other half, didn't you? Well, I am working on it right now. And speaking of pattern matching, I am making a sucker shirt for him. And I have already, now you guys aren't going to be able to see this. Maybe I'll put picture. Yeah, but I'm going to be amazed. Look, I, oh my I, gosh, I put That's, that pocket on there. That is amazing. And it lines up exactly. It, and by I the saw- way, on the screen, it looks lenticular. It looks, you know, like that little lenticular stripe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it does weird things. Yeah. Yep. So it's a blue and white, it's kind of denim blue and white striped seersucker. And I'm going to make him a short sleeve shirt. I am in search of, and I know I think I mentioned this before, uh, Guiber- Gu- Guibera shirt. It's that Cuban style shirt. Jim's dad and grandpa were from Panama and they wore them all the time. And and what they have is, it's just sort of like, a, it's kind of like a Hawaiian shirt, but with like a plain fabric not. And it has these kind of stripes down the center and four pockets um, and this embroidery on it. Anyways, I'm really looking for a pattern. I found one, but it's a vintage pattern that's out of print and I can't seem to find it, but I think I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to figure it out myself. But anyways, that's not what this is. This is a, just a <laughs> so that I can get a short sleeve shirt pattern down to
1: part of it. Now you're going to make him Bermuda shorts to match. Is that, <laughs> that what I heard? That would be great. And then he just needs a straw booter and he's, he's ready to go.
0: Uh, he'd love it. He'd love it. That maybe I'll do that. Anyways, we have a, a uh, it's a anniversary coming up for the two of us, um, uh, June tenth. be two years. How exciting! Yeah. How exciting! Well, that
1: sounds absolutely delightful. Just talk about our prom that we had. I think it was a lot of fun. My hope is the the folks who were able to enjoy us enjoyed themselves.
0: Yeah. I think
1: I think we're likely to hold more gatherings in the future. Um, it was wonderful to be able to put faces and voices together with with names and uh it was great to see uh the folks who were able to come in the garments they'd made for themselves and it was also amazing to see folks who felt comfortable enough to just come in what what they wanted to wear that day because yeah. that's there's a lot of freedom in that as well so it was it was really really nice i thought a lovely
0: hour it was fun and we played a few games and uh and we had a good time and then Ginny tried to hand off the prom to me at the end because she had to be somewhere. <laughs> and Jim. And Beverly me. was having none of it. <laughs> Jim <laughs> laughed at me because I was like, oh no, we're ending the prom now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, your introverted co host has had enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it went beautifully and we left them wanting more, presumably. So okay, I, I think it was good. I think it was really good. It was a lot of fun. So we'll look forward to having another event. One of the things we'll probably do differently. I, I believe Beverly is um, already mentioned. We, we will only name one time zone when we announce the prom. That way there's no chance of math tripping us up. We do apologize once again to our Australian listeners.
0: Yes, that's <laughs> all my fault. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> you know, there were many opportunities for myself or anyone else who read any announcement to maybe catch that so it just kind of goes that way sometimes and it's okay we'll we'll make it up to him later but from there I guess uh we were really gathering today because there's been a lot of interesting stuff going on online recently regarding size um inclusion and um fat sewists and community and what that looks like and we wanted to talk about that. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's what we're gonna start off by talking about now, and um, I'm gonna gonna lead it off by saying that one of the things that uh, that's really amazing out there in the sewing universe is uh, a resource that the Green Violet on Instagram has put together, which is a list of pattern companies that offer patterns above a 50 inch hip, and she's categorized them from um, I want to say it's 50 to. 60 inches, and then 60 to 65, 65 to 70, and 70 plus, basically. And within those categories has noted how many different patterns are available at each of those sizes. Well, I saw that, and as an accountant, my immediate first thought was, oh, let's let's parse that a little bit further and start attaching labels to it, because I've read... And seen quite a few different places, this thing called the fatness spectrum, which we're not going to talk about for a long time, except to say people like to label themselves. They don't like to be labeled by others. So if you uh, are thinking that this spreadsheet you found that has some interesting qualities would be improved by adding some labels, maybe don't do that. Let people come up with their own labels. Um, As it was, the the biggest thing that came out of that um, that was useful to the community, I think, was a defining of the percentage of patterns that are offered above a 50 inch hip, how many of those patterns are available to sew us that have a 70 plus 70 inch plus Hip size. Um, And I've selected hip size because for most patterns, that is the broadest measurement on the pattern. It's important to note that not all bodies are shaped where their hips are their largest measurement. For many sewists, their stomach or their bust or their chest may be their defining measurement. For me, it happens to be my hip, and the hip is usually the largest size provided, which is why I use that as a definer because it is typically the biggest number on the pattern. And when you get up to those um, 70 inch hips, you're talking about having three percent of patterns available to you of the patterns that are available above a 50 inch hip keep in mind there's a virtually infinite number of pattern companies that offer patterns that stop at or below 50 inches and so you've got perhaps 300 pattern companies that are offering patterns from whatever the smallest size hip they offer is up to a 50 inch hip and then you have another 56 that are offering them up to a 52 inch hip and beyond that, there's um, of uh, beyond that there are 35 that are offering up to a 58, and then you've got eight that offer them from a 58 to a 70, and then you're down to two that offer them reliably above a 70 inch hip. And the other thing to keep in mind is of those patterns that are above a 58 inch hip, at least three of those companies, at least three of those companies are using CAD designed patterns to get that large, which means they are not working necessarily with fit models, and the the pattern fit may not be as good as what you're expecting. So it's it's a frustratingly small number that are available um, for f- folks as you go up higher and higher in that max measurement, right? And you're going to find a similar flow if you're using bust or, or waste. It'll just be smaller numbers, but a similar proportion because most, but not all of these companies are designing for a relatively hourglass or bottom heavy version of a body. Right. And so you're going to see something similar. So one of the other things that came out of that conversation was this idea of, well, if that's how limited that is, first off, do straight size sewists even know that? Right. Like Beverly, when you read this, were you shocked to realize that of the companies surveyed that, that the green violet had surveyed 10 off, uh, I apologize, eight offer patterns that are specific to my size range?
0: Yeah, that's that's really surprising, actually. Of
1: the 56, eight offer them in my size range. And keep in mind, there are are probably 250 to 300 other companies that don't even come up to that 50, 52-inch hip range. Mm
0: -hmm. So when you look at it that way, you're talking about eight out of 300 companies. That's bad. These here are all um, indie companies, right? They are all
1: indie companies. Yes. The big four maxes out right now at a 57 inch hip. And that is limited to one big four pattern designer who offers a particular style range there. Occasionally they bring in guest designers and go a little bit higher, but their standard ranges tend to end at 52 or 54 inches.
0: And um Is that in their plus range or their regular range? Because I noticed that a lot of their patterns don't even come in the plus range. Oh, no, that's just their plus range. And there's the the companies, oh,
1: this, I'm going to, there's a rant. Um, What really frustrates me most recently about the big four, besides the fact that none of them see my body. There are zero patterns they designed that come up to my body size, zero. Besides that, which is already very frustrating, previously they gave us a little sliver in the book that was colored differently and that's where the fat lady patterns were. And they were pretty much fat lady patterns. There were very few male patterns in there. It was all women, mostly depicted. uh, The models were mostly depicted as either on the small side of fat Or if they were anything bigger than the small side of fat, they were probably also old, which is nice intersectionality, but it's a little bit stereotypy as well. So (laughs) so there's some other issues there, but they used to give us a little sliver. So you could tell by looking, you'd go, it was um, Mrs. Dresses, Mrs. uh, Shirts, Mrs. Pants. And plus, <laughs> and plus had all of those categories if if they had patterns for all those things in that one area. And there were very few patterns listed in there. And that's the only place you'd find something that might come up past a 55-inch hip. This past year, they've all decided to do away with that. It may be two years ago now, but they decided to do away with it. And they went from dividing them out and saying, we're just going to put them in with all the other patterns that we have. And they don't tag them very obviously. It's relatively limited Knowledge, it's not obvious immediately whether the pattern will come up to your size. And because they size their patterns using both standard numbers, you know, the two, four, six, eight, mm-hmm. all the way up through 20, 22, and occasionally 24, but they also size them with 22W, 24W, 26W, and they also size them as XL, XXL, XXXL, XXXL and in some cases up through a 6X, which again is not large enough to fit me. Based on the measurements, Um, it's even harder to try and parse out what it is. And they don't include the measurements on the vast majority of those pages. So you have to get up, walk over to the envelopes, pull one out and look at it to understand if the measurements are appropriate to you, or flip to the back of the book and find the parts where they've included some, but not all of those measurements. Because on the specialty patterns, they often don't have a chart at the back. (laughs) You still have to go over to the. So there's a lot of there's a lot of physical effort. There's a lot of emotional effort involved in flipping through one of their books because you already know right off the bat, 95% or more of it won't even fit you if you're a 55 inch hip, but you have to look through all, all 95% that doesn't fit to find the 5% that does. So they've made it less welcoming in my opinion, to fat sewists. In addition to all of that, right, realizing how little there is, there's also realizing, as I say, that straight-sized sewists often don't seem to realize there is a problem here. And if you don't know there's a problem, you don't know how much we we could use your help. We could use your allyship in addressing this problem. So all of the things around that, my mistake in labeling people, the apology that I issued, which I recommend that you find, you read, and then especially if you're straight-sized sewist, you share. Because it's important to share that information about how labeling, especially in the fat sewing community, harms people to make sure that it's not being um, carried on further. So if you want to be an ally, we kind of talked in a group, a whole bunch of fat sewists got together and chatted. And we'll include a link to those sewists, but it includes folks like the Rotund, Leela Sews, So Kenzie, Crafting a Rainbow, Needle in the Bell, Full Fat Milk, Fat Bobbin Girl, The Green Violet, So Very Much, Sierra Burrell. Montserrat, I'm going to say dash L, but now I realize I'm not certain. um, And some others who dipped in and out of conversations privately and publicly to talk about this issue. And one of the things that came out of that was the idea of a new hashtag called hashtag sew, limited sizing. So this is a hashtag that can be used by anybody at all, but but it carries with it an opportunity for straight size sewists, especially to be an ally in this field. The hashtag is used like this. For example, you might post about something and say, because most patterns have so limited hashtag, so limited sizing, I drafted this myself. It's a missed opportunity for pattern companies. And you could tag some companies you care about or not. You might, for example, post a picture of a pattern or a dress that you're interested in and say, I'm disappointed by the hashtag, so limited sizing on this new pattern. Can anyone recommend something else with better sizing and tag the designer? Or you might post at pattern designer. Your new pattern release has hashtag so limited sizing. Do better and tag them in that way. So the nice thing is that means if you're following the hashtag so limited sizing, you now have an opportunity to go and email or otherwise communicate with every single designer Every single time you see them tagged and tell them, hey, I'm a, I'm a sewist who's sized for the patterns you currently sell, but I'm not going to buy them if your sizing doesn't improve, or I'm disappointed at the lack of size diversity you exhibit or show on your, your Instagram page or anything else that appeals to you as a way to try and use your voice, your money as a way to change the situation for fat sewists. I've monologued a long time, your turn (laughs)
0: I think this is great, and I can. Here's one way I can really see, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this as far as (laughs) use of this. One way I think that straight size sewists can really very easily be an ally is if they are looking, you know, at Instagram and they see a new pattern released that has poor sizing in it, that they comment on that pattern that right when they see it and just say, Hey, I'm disappointed in this hashtag. So limited sizing. Absolutely. And by the way, if it does not say in the advertising, what the size range is, and you've figured it out, please put that in the comment because that is so helpful to other sewists that come after you. But if you write in their advertising post, mention that it's so limited sizing, that will encourage them to have or at least entered them into the conversation. When do you plan on expanding this? I've found that there's a lot, a lot because of this pressure, there's a lot of companies that are talking about expanding right now. Ab- absolutely.
1: And we've seen um, posts recently from two um, favorites uh, on the podcast, Made by Ray and by Han Lendon, addressing the question of sizing and what they're doing to improve the sizing offerings that they have for their individual companies. Um, In addition, just uh, today, as we're recording, Jenny Rushmore from Cashmerette released an ebook called um, How to Expand uh, Sewing Patterns into Plus Sizes. And I thought that was amazing. It's a $75 ebook that's filled with research and data that Jenny has gathered, um, as well as suggestions for how to create sizing tables, how to make decisions about different things related to expanding your patterns into those larger sizes. And I think that's amazing. I know Jenny has put a lot of um, herself and her effort out into the world for uh, many years to try and help champion that cause. And while there's always further, any company, including Cashmerette, can go in terms of increasing their size um, expansion to be... um, to be more aware of SO of larger hip sizes, bust sizes, waist sizes, uh, this book is an amazing contribution to that conversation, and I was I was really glad to see that come out.
0: I noticed that there's more conversation now about expanding sizes to be at least seventy inch hip, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, does that mean that it's really time for there to be three size blocks? Oh, there, it's
1: definitely time for there to be three size blocks that, as I understand it in the conversations I've participated in, absolutely, that's the best way to make sure you're providing the best sizing, the best sizing opportunities um, up and down the scale. It is one of the big conversations that um, I've been participating in, or a series of big conversations I've been participating in, are how to improve lower the barriers to sewing, which we talked about recently with Terence Williams, for example, but how to lower those barriers to sewing for people who are new to sewing. And there's, there's some really simple stuff. Like you have to have access to a machine. You have to have access to fabrics. You have to be able to afford these things and so on. But if you don't have access to patterns, it can be difficult to enter the sewing world without a mentor, which is one thing you can look for or things like that, but it's, but it's hard without the access to those patterns or the teachers. So oftentimes when you think about taking a class in sewing, which I know the past year has not been great for because of, you know, pandemic, but as we look at opening up sewing spaces again for classes, for companionship, for sewing groups, if you aren't thinking about designing those spaces for fat sewists, you're not welcoming to them. If your instructors don't include fat sewists, if the patterns that you pick out to teach don't go above a 50 inch hip, you can't be surprised when there are no people my size in your class. It's it's not a welcoming or functional space for us. If your tables are so close together that a fat sewist would be worried about being able to leave for the bathroom in the middle of class without having to move everyone, it's not a welcoming space. So there's there's more to it.
0: And I would think this is more important now than ever. I I don't know about other countries, but in the United States, um, the classes that teach things about any non-testable subject, as far as the major tests for for assessing schools here, the standardized tests, any subject other than that is, have been, lots of them have been dropped. Um, Many schools here don't offer sewing anymore and they're certainly not required. So People wouldn't have got, and and many times people's parents don't sew, mm-hmm. so um, they need some kind of access. And if everything is for smaller people, especially the the beginning sewing pattern companies, um, it's it's not really a fair shot.
1: No, it's really intimidating, and as we've talked about in our uh, first of our PF represent podcasts, being able to see yourself as part of the community is an important part of the way that you become a member of that community. And when you go out to a designer who may even have relatively expanded sizing options and everything on their Instagram is straight sized, it's it's not welcoming. It's not a thing that makes you think, oh yeah, this is this is something I can see myself doing. And that's incredibly important, and it's been really difficult to find. Um, there are there, you're beginning to see more and more images of people with 60, 70 inch hips in garments, but it's still nowhere near the norm. <laughs> nowhere near the norm, and um, oftentimes it's it'll be with an indie pattern company who has, to their credit, extended their sizing and uses test testers of all sizes and all shapes and includes all of those photos in their hundred different pictures of what the garment might look like. But if the first five aren't fat sewists, if there isn't one in there, if the cover image isn't a fat sewist, if the one they feature on Instagram, you got to swipe six times to get to the fat sewist. It's, it's not really the representation that, that may be needed to help a sewist feel safe and welcome in that community. And it, it gets, It gets more divisive, um, not when you label, so we'll avoid the labels, but as you look at fatness, there are smaller people who are fat and there are larger people who are fat. And oftentimes the images you see tend more towards smaller people who are fat, which can also create an unwelcoming environment for those who have a higher barrier to entry. And it's not that smaller people who are fat don't have barriers. Right. They're just different barriers. And it's important to leave space for those who are fatter to have room in the conversation about their own barriers to right. entry and what solutions they'd like to see. For example, one of the, right. uh, so-so I was speaking with, who's larger than I am, prefers drafting their own patterns they've become accustomed to the fit and etc that's associated with it and their 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 primary pursuit isn't the ability to see patterns for themselves in in sizing that fits them because they have a different solution they'd like to see um, access to learning how to make your own stuff from your own drafts more easily accessible and so there's you know, it's obviously not a monolith of fatness. <laughs> there's there's opinions that that range considerably. And it's important to leave space in the conversation for that.
0: It seems like all along, the most responsive pattern designers have been the indie designers. Um, they are most tied to the social media kind of sewing mm-hmm. community. And they get most of their money from that. And they, they're really dependent on that. And they've seen... You know, sometimes eagerly, sometimes reluctantly, but they're the ones that have been responding. Do you think that the Big Four is a lost cause, or is there something we should be doing with them?
1: I don't think they're a lost cause. Um, I think that you can, um, as an example, go out and uh, you you can find their the the names of their president of the the board of directors chairman and things like that out there on their websites and. You can find their social media on LinkedIn and other spaces where you can message these people and try and get a response. I've been unsuccessful myself so far, but there's absolutely a path there um, where you can find, you can find a way to get there. Whether you can get them to hear you is a different question, but I know that black SOAS gathered in the last year to demand additional representation from the big four and made some headway there. And I know, Terrence Williams, all on his own, reached out to Joann's, a, a large monolithic organization, and created change there. So I, I don't think it's a lost cause. And in fact, I think it's where most of the anger should be directed. Because for your average starter sewist, they're not starting on Instagram with indie pattern companies. Mm-hmm. They're starting at Joann's or Michael's or some other craft store that has probably primarily big 4 and in some cases it's walmart which has a really limited selection yeah. their selection is even more size limited than the average sewing store at least at the, jo- the the sorry the walmart's i've been to that have those craft sections they have 300 patterns available and a lot of it is The new look and things like that that ended a size 20, which is typically a 46, 44 inch hip. And Mm -hmm. so it's an even more size limited representation. So, if you want to create a lot of new sewists, giving them access through the places that they are, the places where they'll be able to go before they learn about the cornucopia of possibility, though still incredibly limited if you have hips above a 50, Mm -hmm. that is the indie pattern world.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's worth fighting through to try and make a difference there, but it is definitely harder. Wow.
0: So is there something that we would like, I don't know if there's something we want to say to wrap up this conversation or is there more you want to say about it? I I think for me,
1: the, really the big thing is be an ally. Um, no matter what size you are, I can be an ally to sewists that are high, uh, larger than I am. I can call out for additional, um, pattern sizing for companies they should all go up much higher than than my body size of course i can fight for that i can pause to listen and hear what people want to want to say about what it is they're looking for and then be an ally in that way because it is an ever-changing conversation and so do that follow the hashtag so limited sizing call out the designers you see there ask for that change and uh and make it a a better more inclusive more inviting sewing world for fat sewists see See you next next tuesday
0: punk frockers is created produced and edited by beverly baptiste and jenny Hassler. on instagram you can find the podcast at punk frockers you can find jenny at jo Hassler and beverly at weeds to wildflowers our artwork and music is created and performed by jim Duran. you can find him on instagram and his website at jim Duran.art.